Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowden Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. If I were to open an English-language Bible, I am betting that I would find a heading for this reading like Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, some, if you go to like a kid's book, might say the loaves and fishes, but mostly Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, some of you might remember... Oh, I'm going to say a few weeks ago, but I'm going to guess it was probably a few months ago. I said something about Jesus never feeding anyone. I don't know if anybody remembers that. (laughs) But I said, Jesus never fed anyone. He never gave anyone food. And some people use this story to argue that point. But if you look closely at the story, the food that was given was not actually his food. Now, if you take this to the Gospel of John, the food in that story comes from a little boy. It doesn't even come from the disciples. And Jesus does not distribute the food. All Jesus does is bless the food and direct the disciples to feed the people. And they come back with 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, I want to take this one step further into possible discomfort. You may call me a heretic for this. Are you ready? This story is not about feeding people at all. This story has food in it. There are lots of stories that have food in it, but this story is not about feeding people. This story is used as an example or justification of feeding the hungry or the poor. And I would argue certainly while there are places in the Bible and in the gospel that are really great places that you can turn to for that justification, this story is actually not one of them. And you might say, but what do you mean he feeds 5,000 people? But I would argue the feeding of this 5,000 was not a missional act to feed the hungry or feeding the poor or giving relief. Does that shock you? Does that sound weird? We read in verse 15, When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said they need not go away. The text is clear in this case that the people in this crowd can buy their own food. There are other stories, particularly wandering through deserts, where the crowds clamor and say, God, give us food. God, we're hungry. Here the crowd doesn't even complain about being hungry. It's the disciples who come up and say, it's getting late, maybe we should send them away. What's being talked about here is 
is not whether or not they're going to eat, but where they're going to eat. This is a story of hospitality in some ways. It's a story of the people who gathered around Jesus not having to leave Jesus to get their food. This is a story about a group of people who gathered actually to have their sick healed. This has already happened. The main reason that all these people showed up has already been taken care of. But they're hanging around because they just like to be in Jesus' presence. Jesus, not only does he never give anyone food, Jesus never gives anyone money, he never gives anyone clothes, he never gives anyone a material object. Now with that, again, I'm not saying that that should be a policy for the Christian church, My point is, Jesus is about giving us something more important than physical needs. He gives us spiritual needs. He offers salvation. He offers healing. He offers peace and wholeness. Unlike the Romans, by the way, the Romans actually had a great food distribution plan. They realized if you did not give food to the poor, they would revolt and take over the country. They used food to manipulate people so they would be scared that they would lose their food if they stood up to the government. Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus is sending a deeper message here. In the Swedenborgian church, we really like symbolism. And this has, there's a word in here that just jumped out at me, which is, But then it was evening. Now these people were here all day. They were here sun up to sun down. They they had been going through all of this healing, probably a few talks and things like that. Now, I don't know about you, but I get hungry before evening. There's something here in the story. It could have been noon. And the people started to get hungry. Go and get food. It could have been breakfast. Go get breakfast. But you see, when we have certain things in the Bible that relate to time, it's talking about something special. Just like Jesus could have been discovered Easter afternoon, right? Why not? Why not Easter evening? Because the fact that he is found in the morning talks about a new sunrise in our life. Transformation in our lives. What does evening mean evening means darkness evening means a time when we feel alone we can't see clearly what does it mean when we stumble through that bedroom and stub our toe at one o'clock in the morning evening is a time of fears a time when often let's be honest when we're scared we cease relying on God And what do we want to do? We want to make the world what we want it to be to get us out of that fear. That's what it means to take your money and go into the town and get your own food. You cease looking to the Lord 
for your sustenance, and you say, I'm going to use my worldliness to make my life better. And guess what? It doesn't work. So the Lord is saying, in these times of darkness, you do not need to go away. The disciples approached Jesus and said evening was coming and encouraged him to dismiss, dismiss the crowd. And he said, no. When we feel removed from God, we turn away. We trust ourselves over God. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of people, when things are bad, we pray, right? We pray things like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having financial problems, so I'm going to pray to God that I win the lottery. Right, or, or we turn around and like, oh, this bad thing's happened. I'm going to pray to God to make it so what I don't want to have happen doesn't happen. And guess what? That is not turning to God. That is you. Like anyone see the movie Bruce Almighty? There's a movie, Bruce Almighty. Jim Carrey gets to be God for a day or something like that. And so he gets to make everything the way he wants it. When we pray to win the lottery, when we pray for our desires to be the thing that happens, it is us saying that we want to be God. It is us saying that we do not trust God. In the Lord's Prayer, we hear words like, On earth as in heaven, and thy will be done. Turning to God means asking ourselves, What does it mean for us to act with God's will? not for God to do our will. What would it have meant if people, after Jesus had healed all these people, had simply turned around and gone into the town when they were hungry? It would have symbolized that they did not have a need for God anymore. Now, Swedenborg loves numbers, right? And anyone who's studied the Bible knows that the numbers in the Bible are deeper than numbers. The Hebrew people used symbolism in incredible ways. The number 12, for instance, whenever it appears, responds to the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons. It talks about the Holy Land and what it means to be the Holy Land. Well, the number five occurs a lot in Scripture. It actually is the, the measurements of the curtains inside of the most holy of holies in the tabernacle. It's the number of sto stones David picks up to defeat Goliath. This number five has a deeper meaning. It's always used in a way of saying that you have just enough. And in this case, it was just enough bread. So on this communion Sunday, I'm assuming that when you take communion, you're still going to want lunch afterwards, right? That little square piece of bread is not going to make it so you're not hungry for lunch, right? What's being filled when you take that? When you take that, it's filling something that is not your stomach. It's your soul. It is God's love broken and given to you. Jesus blessed and broke the loaves that he gave to those 5,000 people because it was a symbol of love that transforms us into truly spiritual people. The 12 baskets left over. The 12 baskets left over is an allusion to that 12 tribes of Israel, to that complete spiritual person. So 
This is it. Food is not food in the Bible. Food is never actually food in the Bible. It doesn't matter. When Adam bites the apple, do we sit there and, or sorry, I shouldn't say apple. It should be a fig. Who knows? Apple is a popularization to make France look bad. But when we read that, biting into the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how many of us think it was actually fruit? It's not. When God says that he gives us all that we need to survive, it's not about food. It's about love. We have each been created by God out of love. That's incredible. Each of you have a purpose and a point that is uniquely you. You have the ability to transform the world with your love. You may not always realize you're doing it. It can be an offhanded comment. You never know. The thing is, transforming the world with your love is not something that just happens. It takes work. It takes effort. But you have that gift. The more you are willing to love the person next to you, you do not run out of love. Right? The more you love, do you know what happens? the more you're able to love. The one little act of love multiplies and multiplies until you have 12 baskets symbolizing the completeness of our spiritual lives left over. In other words, you, the more you love, the more complete you are. God loves us. God has given us an innate sense of love. We have the potential to love. We have the potential to be of service and use to our neighbor, to humanity, to the world itself. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes wanting to be in communion with God. It takes wanting to have union with God. And this is what the disciples are doing. Jesus doesn't serve each person. The disciples do. It is the people. The food comes from the people and is distributed by the people. But it is done because the Lord has blessed it. God is abundance. If we look to God, if we look to love, if we look toward helping one another, we will have ample leftovers. And we will share in the love of God. And our life will be a life of peace and goodness. But first, we have to be willing to pass the love that we've been given on. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org.